Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. We spoke about this, we heard this. Yesterday, boast not thyself with the day before of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. More so than ever in, in the history of the world. We're in such a predicament that we don't even know what the next moment holds. The world is full of chaos. But we can boast in the Lord. We can boast in Him. Our tongues can sing aloud His praises all the day long because He's a living God. The Lord who took Peter, James, and John up into that mountain. Some believe Mount Tabor in Israel. And their eyes were unveiled to see a glimpse of heaven similar to what Moses saw on the mount when the Almighty God caused His glory to pass before Him. And He saw God pass by, His eyes open as God was passing by, and He saw, as God said, the back parts, the holy presence of God, the train of His glory passing by. Moses got a glimpse the people of Israel, elders, they got a glimpse of the God of heaven and said so they saw the God of heaven. The Lord reveals his glory and Peter, James and John got to see a glimpse of the eternal glory, just a tiny glimpse. Carefully revealed to them what they could handle. They saw his glory and Peter said, John said, we build, we held his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. John said, Peter said, we were with him on the mountain. Who can help us in the valleys but the one who is on the mountain? Hallelujah. The one on Mount Zion, Mount Zion. He's able to reach down and help us in the valley of our afflictions. We can cry out to him, find real help. Hallelujah. No one else can help like Jesus. So we will boast in Him. Under whose shadow we abide. I who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my fortress. He is my citadel. He is my everything. We can go to Him and trust Him for our problems facing us right now in the, in the forefront of our experience. Terrible things, maybe a few yards away from us, maybe a few kilometers or miles. Suffering in in the midst of it, God is able to help us to find a, a place where we can retreat and that's under the shadow in His presence. We can just bow down before Him and cry out. He's our refuge. He's our everything. We spoke about Proverbs 27.1 to be careful 
to not praise ourselves or boast. We are to praise God and it says let another person praise you, not your own mouth. Stranger, not your own lips. We went into detail on this. Going further, stone is heavy and the sand weighty. But a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. We've all seen little sandbags. The concentration, the density of that substance. So tightly packed. Becomes extremely heavy. Of course, it's what they use often to secure objects, even from heavy winds and such. A stone. We know how heavy the stone is. Again, densely packed, such a mass. You can have a stone that's no more than the size of a a football or a soccer ball weighing many, many pounds, many kilograms and very difficult to move, solid. We get the picture that the Holy Spirit paints here. Such a heavy object, we know what it feels like when we try to lift things that have such density and mass that it could be deceiving that the bigger object would not be as heavy as a smaller object. And yet the smaller object is such a weight that's sometimes distressful because we may have to move it. God says the wrath of a man who doesn't know God will not submit himself to God. The wrath of a woman. The anger that comes up, yes, it is heavier than both the rock and the sand. The stone and the sand. We have to avoid anger. Be swift to hear. It's written in the book of James. Slow to wrath. But before that, slow to speak. That wrath, the Bible says emphatically, James 1.19 does not produce the righteousness of God. Any way we look at it, when we are not quick to hear, but rather quick to speak and quick to get angry, then it's a problem, major problem. So God refines us, He helps us. And when we go through trials, often that's when the humility may come. Because we see that we have nothing, no strength. We also see that we have no ability to deliver another. And we look up and cry out to God, much like we heard on Sunday during service. Jonah was in the ship. The mariners cried out to God and Jonah was sleeping. They urged him, cry out to your God while you're sleeping. We're going to die. Such a terrible storm. We have no control. Maybe the gods will hear us. And then they found out Jonah actually served the true God. And when they followed his instructions, knowing that he was the cause for the calamity, the storm, the storm ceased and they began to make vows to the living God. They believed in Jonah's God. 
they might have been very experienced men on the sea. But when things got too much, they understood, after all, we're just a vapor. We need help from on high. Found out the God of heaven, the God of Jonah, could help, and he did. What manner, behold, what manner man is this? Disciples said, the Lord Jesus also sleeping, but this is the Son of God in perfect control, even when he was sleeping. The human Jesus was sleeping. Psalm 121 says, the God of Israel does not sleep. He does not slumber, no sleep. He's always watching his children. The Father was watching over the Son, the humanity that was so tired. Things looked like they were not under control. The disciples did not have faith. The Lord rebuked them about that. But he had to intervene because they could not stop the storm. Only the Son of God could. They said, what kind of man is this? That even the nature, the winds, things that you cannot see and you cannot control, you just see where it affects or affects things. The wind listed wherever it will. It goes wherever it will. You can't see it coming and going. But you see the effects of it. Jesus said, God is able to calm the storm. So we get humbled. To what degree the trial must go, depending on the individual, to really make us understand our composition human beings, mortal beings, our creed, whatever we profess to believe in, our credentials, whatever we have picked up in this world, whether officially conferred or self-assumed, our composition, our creed, our credentials come to nothing. And we're faced certain calamities. That's when we realize, after all, I can do absolutely nothing. What a blessing it is to learn that lesson early in life, or at least before it's too late. I need a living God. If the Lord should so much as withdraw His hand or allow something to come, even one microscopic bacteria or one tsunami, one earthquake, one relational difficulty, our whole world can come caving in. We realize how frail we are. With such a frailty, you know, composition, creed, and credentials. Such a nothingness that we observe. Where's the time to become angry like a fool? But if we continue to keep that understanding and retain that, then I'm just a vapor, I'm dust. When the enemy comes and tries to make me feel like I'm more than what I really am in the presence of God, I need to remember it takes but one trial, one adversity of a certain magnitude 
to make me realize very quickly I need the everlasting God. We thank God that the Lord has taught us in the Word of God, many of us, way before we faced any tremendous trial in our lives, and some because of the trials, God's megaphone to get our attention. Either way, it's God's love that instructs us and chastens us. We have a Father who sits on the flood. He's above it. Who sits on the circle of the earth. Who is in heaven above. Far above every principality and power. Hallelujah. It is the devil and the satanic powers that are allowed to come and assault humanity because of humanity's rebellion as a whole and individual rebellion. Rebellion in families. There are families that refuse to acknowledge God and there are others who pretend to acknowledge God. And the net result is no one's doing what God is saying. Imagine a teacher in a classroom. No one's listening. One child is crumpling up paper balls another one's marking up chairs and furniture in the classroom, another one's screaming, another one's fighting, another one's playing loud music, no one's, it's chaos, and the teacher is trying at the best of her ability, to the best of her ability, to quiet the classroom. It's utter pandemonium. How will that instructor feel if he or she has done the best he or she could, but the bunch is just terrible? rebellious group not only is no learning occurring no increase in their assets of knowledge to enable them to go to the next grade and become productive citizens but there's destruction happening chaos how would God feel in Genesis 6 it repented him these people are boasting all the time praising themselves boosting in helping each other's ego to just go out of proportion and they're doing whatever they want and the show's continuing I'm not intervening yet and they think that they're gods the Lord came and confounded everything it took one act of God but a merciful act he didn't destroy them he showed them you cannot do anything without me he created us we think a baby would be completely Absurd, if we can say that. Little child, to think that it can be independent of the parent. It can make decisions, he or she. Doesn't need to go on the parental schedule of feeding and sleeping and bathing. But all of a sudden, the one-year-old, two-year-old begins to talk very mature. In a mature way and say that I will make my schedule, mommy, daddy. This is what I'll do. We know it's going to be self-destruction. God is the creator of the cosmos. He's our creator and he's our Lord over all and he's our Father. It's our privilege as believers in the Lord Jesus to know that he's in control. And a reminder that the humility must run deep. Because even in the case of marriage, Peter says to the Christian 
wife or the one who's walking with the Lord, let your conduct win your husband over. But if there's pride and if there's friction, then the conduct is bound to show independence from God and trouble will ensue. Sooner the husband who doesn't show love to the wife can cause the wife to stray from God. It's possible. So if I love God, I won't boast about myself or any human being. Even when I observe an athlete, a star athlete, or I hear something by from a colleague about this astronaut or athlete, this affluent individual, and look at what they've got. Did you hear what happened? My inner radar, that inner barometer, would always be steadily fixed on praising the God who gives everything that's good. What do you have that you have not received, the Bible says? Everything is a gift from God. Every good thing, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So we are blessed to have the Word of God, to observe and to receive not facts alone from the world, acquiring facts and knowledge to be knowledgeable and have a good conversation and show that I can also debate and I can also be an interesting debater I can also boost my own ego and help others boost their ego and we can talk and talk and talk. The urge to show that I know, it's only when the Spirit of God comes that we can behave as a weaned child. So Lord, I won't engage in things too high for me. My position is sitting at your feet. You're the one whose beauty I gaze upon, Lord. And anything I hear will come through that filter God is the one who's on the throne, only Him, no one else. And everything we have is from Him. That humility will cause us to come close to God, and God says, I will beautify the one that's truly humble and meek, Psalm 25, with salvation. What is salvation? It is being saved from sin, but also from the snares of death, from everything that is contrary to the will of God, that's salvation. Being saved from that which is not of God, which is destruction and death and darkness. Everything. Anything you look at, any endeavor. If God's not there, not only will it crumble and self-destruct, it'll become a snare to people. Marriage can become a snare. Gold can become become a snare. Physical abilities, mental acumen, can become a snare. Become snares. Everything man touches becomes snare. Why? Because apart from God, inasmuch as the part of the earth upon its rotation is devoid of the sunlight, it becomes dark and it becomes night. So the human life becomes a masquerade, a buzz of activity, 
desire to be something and feel something, experience something and be self-satisfied in the dark. God has come once again to show us. Let's boast in our God. Make much, much of God. Let's exalt the living God. He's our everything. He blesses our marriages. Only He can bless the marriage. Only Him. Only He can bless our education. Only He can bless the works of our hands. When we listen to His counsel, such as in the book of Proverbs, when we place the, high, the highest premium, the Word of God above all else, and glory be to God, we are a band of people saved by the blood of Jesus, given the awareness and understanding by the Holy Spirit by no one else to become aware I need God a person comes maybe from a atheistic background an agnostic background a Buddhist background a Hindu background a nominal Christian or Catholic background they have religion and religious ways. He begins to seek truth. A seeker. One who seeks. Seeks. I, I really do want to know the living God. I'm not satisfied with just the fact that my culture and my upbringing, my people, maybe my nation, worships this. But there's a disturbance within the soul. Is it really it that's a true seeker not a self-satisfied smug boastful person that says this is all I know and this is all I will keep even if it's not true have you met people like that I've had occasion to speak to people especially from the cultic groups such as your witnesses in speaking with them in speaking about the deity of Jesus Christ, even with people of other religions, even Islam, asking them, this is what your book says, and this is what you are taught. Let me ask you a final question. If Isa, Jesus Christ, if Jesus would appear to you, whether in a dream or vision, and reveal himself as divinity, would you then accept him? Very, very few have said, if God should say that, I will think about it. The majority said no. Just trying to get them to understand, do you really seek truth or are you a lover of your own ways and what you've been taught? Do you really want to know the truth? My question is, if God should come, if God, the God you claim to worship, if he should come and reveal something about Jesus that you do not know, that he is God, that he is divinity, then would you receive Jesus as God? The majority would not answer or flatly refuse. Your God, if your God should show you that Jesus is divinity, it showed clearly that they're not seeking truth. They couldn't even answer to that hypothetical posture. If should a thing be, When we seek God, really seek the truth, Lord, I want to know the truth about you. I want to know the truth about me. I want to know the truth about how I can live in harmony with you, Lord. 
submission will come. Lord, if this is what you said about me as a husband, how can I argue? I may not like to hear it. When I get corrected, how many of us like to get corrected? Against the grain of human nature. Because it can hurt. It can make us feel like we've failed all along. But it's the wise man that understands the reason for the correction and the object or the objective and says, says, I want that objective. I want the goal to be met. Uh, correct me. I want to hear God correct me because I don't want to make mistakes. You teach a wise person, the Bible says in Proverbs, they'll get more wiser. The seeker after the truth who goes from that step of I really want to know the truth. Isn't that how we got saved? All of us, regardless of our backgrounds, even within nominal Christian homes, or whether from Hindu backgrounds, or Buddhist backgrounds, or Catholic backgrounds, we said, enough is enough. Something has come into my soul. Light I've been seeking. There's a degree of sincerity in seeking. I want to know the truth. And God has allowed us to experience supernaturally, especially in our church, with signs and wonders that this is the living God speaking. Hallelujah. This is God coming after my soul to save me. Then the next decision is, will I submit to the truth that I'm hearing? Throw away my presuppositions and what I've learned? Even denominationalism? I want to hear God and God alone. See, I've made up my mind. I want the truth. I will be a seeker after the truth and therefore I'm open for God to speak to me. And I will submit myself to the truth. Once I hear it, I will embrace this. What God has shown me. Because of the genuine seeking, the genuine submission to the truth, the revelation of God as himself of who he is then it can lead to the decision to make a clean surrender of my spirit, soul and body to that deity to that God, to that truth it goes from my mind into my heart now I can be prepared for genuine service become a child and servant of God to reflect his truth embodied in my life and my lifestyle. This is the process of sanctification. We've heard different words that God has given over the course of these morning calls. And as Prashant highlighted just a few days ago. That we get convicted which leads to a decision. Conviction is not enough. I get convicted. I need this. I need to get closer. I need to make changes. But if I don't make the take the decision or make the decision to begin to implement what I heard, it goes in one ear out the other. It was a nice sermon, a nice point. I shouldn't boast. But am I boasting in any way? Or am I humble like David just went in and sat in the temple like a little child, a great poet, warrior, King, he said, I'm just sitting quietly in the presence of my God. Similar, not unlike Mary, who would sit 
a millennia later. Millennium later. At the feet of Lord Jesus, when he came to visit them in their home. Conviction leading to a decision. Then following through with the actual action. Seeking the truth at God's feet. Saying, I will submit to the truth, making the decision. And then I will surrender everything in my being, in my power, my pocketbook, my mouth. everything, my family I surrender all my body now I can actually know how I fit into the eternal plan of God for his body which was hidden in ages past the spirit of God can come and fill me the glory of God can work in me even during the time of chaos and calamity these trials may vary in the severity in the duration and through it all oh my God his promise his truth is there I will bring you forth as gold the tremendous pressure will form diamonds from that native carbon and God will bring us through he promised our brother highlighted from his management experience risk management he said you look at the errors what are the occurrences? Severity and the frequency. God shows us in the mirror. Why is your life not pleasing to me? Or why are there gaps and problems here? Because the particular areas in your life, the word is not uh, there. We don't want it anymore. Hallelujah. We are all seeking the truth and that's why we have come to submit the truth about Jesus that he is the Lord and Savior that's why we have learned by the word of God the teaching of the Holy Spirit I have to surrender if he's the Lord that I was seeking and I found him and I submit to that truth it must come into my heart and my body I belong to God set me a place Lord to be a living sacrifice continually offering to you praises from my heart in obedience 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 because he's God that will cause me to become fit for the service of the king. Now he can actually know that I'm one of his troops. Dependable. As we read about a messenger that's unfaithful is like a broken tooth or leg out of joint. But I can be a faithful representative and messenger. God can speak to me anytime, day or night. And he can know that I would simply drop whatever was against his will begin to do his will this passionate affection and benevolence toward us that's God's nature I can trust him I can trust him I can trust his word in my trials because I know he's passionately emotionally in love with me his child each one of us he does love us so passionately strongly and benevolent toward us he will always seek the best for us 
That's our Father. And He has the power to do the impossible for us. I recognize that. He not only loves me, He has the power. But He makes a promise that He will use His power and His love to do the impossible for me, oh Jesus. And then because of His perfect character, I know He will keep His promise. It's the Word of God. You see, we pray with all our hearts. Praise God. We should have a heart attitude to worship God. Praise Him all the time. We should give attendance to the reading of the Word continually. And obey what we hear. Be present. Receive and do. And then seek out holy fellowship. Who you walk with will determine what kind of person you are. How can two walk together unless they be agreed, it says in Amos. But if I've agreed and understood and sought out the truth and submitted and surrendered and I want to serve God, if I have been convicted, I have made up my mind, made up my mind, I will make the right decision and then follow through with action, then I will seek out fellowship with those who are similar or like-minded. There will be a tremendous growth. Notice Acts chapter 2, 3 and 4. The depth of fellowship and the tremendous growth, not only in numbers of the people, but in the quality of the characters before Jesus. They were used mightily by the Holy Spirit. There was free reign because they all submitted to the truth as they heard from the apostles. And they continued meeting with one another, breaking bread and having fellowship and praying. It was a holy fellowship. Now, you can have fellowship. You can have reading the word. You can have people pray. And it can be dead. Just a club. Christian club. Another Christian club. But if holiness is there, honesty and humility growing, no boasting, except in God, and this genuine love, as we mentioned, the Hebrew word, hesed, this loving kindness. Oh God, I see I'm far and I'm There's fluctuations in this, Lord. The more we're in His presence, the more He will change us. Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what a day will bring forth. Let's boast in the Lord continually. Sing His praises. Believe Him to do the impossible because He's passionately in love with us. He has a power to do it. He's promised to do it because of His perfect nature and character. What He promised, He will keep. Blessed be the rock, shall we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. As a living God, thank you, Lord, for drawing us to praise you, to praise you, to praise you. Oh, my Father, forgive us for any sins, Lord, of pride. Forgive us, Lord. Please cleanse us. Help us, Lord, to be humble, free children who would delight your heart. And Lord, not take the stress upon ourselves, even in the midst of severe pain, Lord, too. By a miracle of your working, Lord, within our souls, to say, I will trust my Jesus. My Jesus. I want to see him in the midst of the fire and also when I come out. To see him more than I ever could. More of his glory. Father, I pray for every brother, every sister. May your presence overtake us. 
My God, my God. We don't say why have you forsaken us, though we may feel like that sometimes when the trouble is so deep. The fire is so hot, Lord. The duration, duration is so long. We can say, your promise is you will never leave us nor forsake us. You keep your promise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Causing your people, Lord, to believe, believe, believe what you said about who you are, my God, and who we are in you. Through the blood of your Holy Son, who are more than conquerors, oh my God, who will pray, who will pray, Lord, for the business of life and the things we have to do in this world, Lord, we will continue to talk to ourselves that you must worship the living God. He's your everything. And follow through and do it. Continue, Lord, to submit to the truth every time we hear it so we can get more truth from you, more illumination, more strength. And grow with no stagnancy, Lord. We'll be available, not by our voluntary offer of time and abilities, but by our qualification from you as available on the available list on the standby list. Why? Because you will commend this, Lord, that we have died to ourselves living for Jesus. I thank you, Father, for helping each of us, Holy Spirit, to receive the truth to put into practice. That we can be the wise people who built our house upon the solid rock that no trial will shake our faith. When that which is unshakable will remain, Lord, when you shake the heavens and the earth, will be among those people who cannot be shaken because we're under the shadow of your wings. We're close to you. You're with us. Thank you, Father. We love you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.